Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. I'll be one of my friends trying to make you some money. My job is not just to entertain you, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. Sometimes... There's just too much good news to ignore. And that's how I'd explain today's rally. Dow gaining 183 points. S&P advancing 0.92%. NASDAQ jumping 1.41%. All coming from much lower levels. Now, one of the most infuriating aspects of this market, at least for the last couple of weeks, is that nothing seemed to matter except for bonds. If bond yields go higher, money managers, well, they just hit their machines and they sell. They know you can't fight a market where rates have exploded higher. That's what they think, right? And that's when the Wall Street playbook says you just got to sell everything. Don't even distinguish. But let's go back to the machines. These days, the playbook has been turned into what I call an algorithm, so that when you get certain inputs, like rising, rapidly rising long-term rates, lots of funds automatically sell stocks no matter what. Do you know that there might not even be a human involved in the decision? The bigger the fund, the less likely there is a human at the helm. I mean, that's how defined they are. And... What they typically sell is the S&P 500, the entire bundle of 500 stocks, usually through what's called a commodity future. So no major stocks get left out because it's the asset class they want to bet against. The portfolio managers who trade like this don't pick and choose what they sell. They don't say, hmm, let's sell the S&P futures, except for those 40 stocks I think are actually pretty good. They just sell everything. They don't even want to distinguish. Why? Because they don't get paid enough to try to distinguish between the good and the bad. And in many ways, individual stocks are just too small to matter. They regard stocks as commodities. They're like corner soy, right? It's just a bunch of soybeans in a basket, 500 of them. They have no desire to pick that basket apart. It's too much work. They don't want the hassle of picking stocks. And they're trying to make a bet, not against the individual companies, but about the class that are equities. 
Think about it. How often do you hear big money managers come on TV and actually name the companies they dislike? Oh, no. For the most part, aside from some notable exceptions like the ones who go on Scott Wapner's halftime show, you just hear those vague generalities about how stocks in general are overvalued. That's what we're speaking about. Stocks in general are overvalued. As S&P 500 costs too much. Sure, there are times when these top-down portfolio managers get a little more granular. They'll talk about sectors they don't like, the techs, the oils, the health cares. But for the most part, the real famous ones, they run so much money. They can't make meaningful bets on individual stocks. Their positions will be too big. And that's why they only talk about the averages. Trying to pick stocks for them is like commodity investors betting on a particular stalk of wheat. Now, on day, down days, like we had last week or yesterday before the term, the stocks as commodities analogy really does work. When the market's getting hammered, pretty much everything trades together, and it feels like a waste of time to distinguish among the grains of stock. Oh, look at that grain of stock that is General Mills. That did well. Oh, the grain of stock that is uh, Clorox. Oh, that was up. Oh. But then you got to say to yourself, what happens when bond yields actually go down, as they did today? And the stock market finally catches its breath. What happens when Jay Powell comes to Capitol Hill for his confirmation hearing and doesn't go on the anti-inflation warpath? Nothing about how we need lockstep rate hikes to break inflation and might need four of them or more. Instead, he says it'll be data dependent like the old days. Because maybe once we get over COVID, there could be a... Uh, a cool down in inflation. And that's what happened today. And it made us want to see what is worth buy, buy, buy. We see the trees through the forest, so to speak. And it turns out that while the forest was looking pretty terrible, there are enough healthy trees that it makes sense to do some buy. So let me give you some concrete examples of what's been going on in the basket as we just trade the stock, uh, traded as a unit. First this morning, Morgan Stanley raised his price target for a company we all know called Amazon for 4,400. It's basically on something I felt pretty thin, the number of engineers it has. Apparently, there's so many engineers working at Amazon, it must have some other bets that could be worth fortunes. As it is, Morgan Stanley says Amazon gained a lot of North American retail market share and had a solid holiday season. Given that many individual retailers didn't have such good Christmas numbers because of Omicron, and yet the consumer's flush, it makes a ton of sense that Amazon must have had a terrific quarter. So now the stock is zooming, and I've got to tell you something. It is about time. This company at 3,307, up 2.4%, is still 400 points below its high. Second, Apple. All right. Now, we've had multiple research notes in the past few days that indicate Apple had a really good holiday season, not to mention excellent Chinese sales. But that kind of data hasn't mattered. Apple stock was getting dumped along with everything else. It's a part of the S&P. And remember, to many money managers, it's just a few kernels in a bushel bushel of corn. All right. Not one kernel, a lot of kernels, but it's still just a kernel. It finally mattered today, though. And the stock had a nice bounce. It did, I'd say, uh, I don't want to say it, 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 it was against what the S&P did because the S&P went up. But let's just say when the S&P was still doing nothing, it started to go higher. It was a kernel of recognition. Third, right now, J.P. Morgan's having a gigantic healthcare conference. For the most part, these companies are having tremendous quarters. Over and over, we've heard companies saying terrific things. It hasn't mattered, though, because even though the health has got dragged down by indiscriminate selling, well, this is a huge sector. And for nearly all the stocks to have good things to say and raise numbers should not be overlooked. But it was overlooked. That's kind of nuts. But again, they're part of a bushel. We like Soetis, the pet and livestock care company, on later in the show. But that wouldn't matter a whole big. You could have like a whole grain, a giant box of grain. You wouldn't see Soetis from Adam. Or how about the two uh, talks that NVIDIA gave last week? Do you know they gave two? 
They told you how well gaming was doing. It's right on the web and how data centers are going and how fast the, the, the selling's been. And indicators, they indicated this quarter might be better than expected. It was completely ignored. Then there's AMD's Lisa Sue, who gave you a terrific roadmap at CES last week that shows that things could be excellent for the chipmaker for multiple years. It was driving me crazy that no one even seemed to even listen. Again, to a lot of the hedge funds, though, these stocks are just pieces of corn and distinguishable from any other. On a day like today, though, those guys aren't in control. Six, we all know Boeing's been in trouble, right? But today we learned that 737 MAX, uh, the numbers for 2021, turns out they weren't that bad. Now, they're not a lot better than expected. But think about this. If travel comes back and the airlines need more capacity, they could see a big uptick in orders. So the stock goes up six bucks, but there could be much more to it, which is why we're holding for our travel trust. Again, no one cared when this stuff came out when the market was still down and people yawned. Why? Because Boeing's part of the S&P. But when the interest rates calmed down, Boeing went to the fore. Of course, there will always be some companies that do disappoint. We've seen a bunch of retailers report weekly than expected numbers for December, the most important month of the year, by the way. But we're also hearing that January, usually not an important month, but it's been a barn burner for many companies. And the earnings estimates are being lifted for 2022, not cut, because inventories are so lean and there's no post-Christmas promotion. Now, if you're a huge portfolio manager who only thinks in terms of asset classes, because anything more grand than that is too microscopic to matter, then maybe you don't care that Costco had a fabulous month, or GE's been upgraded by multiple firms, or CVS just pre-announced much better than expected numbers. To these big-time portfolio managers, people like me who try to distinguish among the individual companies are a waste of time and are wasting their time. They see us as small thinkers, little putions even, looking for valuable quarts of oil in a 55-gallon drum. But to you and the millions, hundreds of millions of people who don't trade stocks like live cattle or soybean futures, it absolutely does matter. It matter. It should matter. It always will. The bottom line, when bonds finally go in the right direction and j stays thoughtful, we get ourselves a stock picker's market like we had today. You have to be ready for these because the stock market that dies by the bond market sword can also prosper from it. David in Florida. David. Booyah, Jim. Booyah, David. So I want to. So I'm a member of your investing club, and I read a lot how much you love Chevron. But I also want to ask you about Exxon. Well, I don't blame you. And first, I'm glad you're in the club, David. Uh, we're getting uh, ready to do some really exciting things, including some videos. Now, it is very difficult to distinguish Exxon from Chevron because they're considered to be both great companies. Now, Exxon was is a lot more troubled company. Um, and it's been going up, and Chevron's much less, and it's better growth, and it's been going up. We own Chevron because we like the balance sheet, we like the dividend, we like the buyback. Exxon's been troubled on the on the buyback. Well, let's just say Exxon's been balance sheet has been stretched. And one look at the dividend, even up here after this amazing run from Chevron, Exxon is yielding 4.9, and Chevron is yielding 4.1, even though Chevron has had this, this gigantic move. Let's stick with Chevron. Justin in California. Justin. Jim, greetings from sunny San Diego. Oh, good to have you. Uh, here's the situation. I made an absolute bundle by getting in on Tesla early, and I'm thinking that right now might be a really good time to diversify. Um, I'm a huge fan of the EV sector, and I'm wondering what would be your top five EV companies aside from Tesla? Okay, well, I mean, what I've been saying, just so we're clear, is that 
Uh, EV is a very, very clouded, uh, crowded field. I mean, crowded. There are so many in battery companies. There's so many companies that make the stuff within a battery. There's so many companies that are just kind of just out there making metals like MP. Um, so what I've simplified things and just say, look, own Tesla. They're the number one. And if you want what's on the come, then do what we did in National Alerts and buy Ford, which has a very electrified group of, of uh, fleet coming out next year. And it'll be more and more electrified. And I think that unlike most of the companies that have EV vehicles, theirs are going to sell well. Right? Sometimes there's just too much good news to ignore. And that gives you a stock picker's market where we look through the bushel and find what's great to own. Man Money tonight, healthcare is taking over the farm. Fresh off the company's presentation at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. I'm getting the latest in healthcare for analysts with the CEO of Zoetis, which is one we've liked for a long time and is very inexpensive versus where it was not that long ago. Then after a couple tough weeks for the NASDAQ, could today's bounce be a sign of what's to come or is it just a flash in the pan? I'm going off the charts to find out. And Biomarin popped today after releasing data on one of its phase three treatments. And I'm getting the latest on the results with the company's top brands. So stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. Send Jim an email to madmoney at CNBC.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Accessed from anywhere, you can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
Now that so many quality stocks are down big from their highs, you got to be ready to buy the good ones that work in this new environment. While there are a lot of losers that did deserve to get the boot, well, it's got plenty of babies that got tossed out with the bathwater. Consider the case of one of our longtime favorites, that's Zoetis, which makes drugs, vaccines, and diagnostic equipment for both pets and livestock. Healthcare is not just for humans. Here's a stock that's been a fabulous long-term performer. Came public at $26 roughly eight years ago. It's now about $212. But this thing was at $249 just a couple of weeks ago. Zoetis has been crushed along with so many other high-quality growth names, even though it's got real products, real profits. Plus, if you're worried about a Fed-mandated slowdown, this is precisely the kind of recession-resistant stocks you want to own. Now, at the big uh, J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference, Zoetis told a very compelling story about its superior growth rate and superior margin expansion, fueled by the humanization of pets. We're going to focus on that. And rising demand for meat from emerging market countries. I'm a believer. You know that since it came public. Don't take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Kristen She's the CEO of Zoetis. Hear more about her vision for the future. Ms. Peck, welcome back to Man Money. Well, thank you for having me, Jim. It is great to be back and certainly to be talking about our three favorite topics, uh, pets and meat and the human-animal bond. So thanks for having me. Absolutely right. Now, the last time I saw you was before the pandemic. And I think things have changed radically uh, in the pet market, so to speak, in what have happened to pets uh, since people have been cooped up at home and what they do. How much has it impacted Zoetis that the level of care of pets and the number of pets that have been adopted has really skyrocketed? Absolutely. There has absolutely been a boom in the pet market. And a few things are driving that. As you mentioned, uh, more people are adopting more pets. More of us are staying home with our pets, so we're noticing every limb, um, every itch, and every whimper. But I think the really important long-standing trend is who's adopting these pets, which is 50% of these pets are now adopted by millennials and Gen Z, and they're much more involved in the care of their pets. Um, they do a lot more research, um, and really we see that as a, a trend that will continue to drive the companion animal market in years to come. Now, we use Zoetis products for our, for our mutts. Um, but I only know them as Zoetis because I know you. Uh, my wife knows them as high-quality products. How do you distinguish between Zoetis' products and the others? Because your brand and your company spends a lot more on R&D and has a lot more familiarity with many different kinds of diseases than all the other companies combined in your area. It's a great question. I mean, from the veterinary space, um, I think you know vets know our products. It's really the science and the innovation that we drive. As you look at some of the biggest categories for us, parasiticides, we have the only combination, triple combination, flea, tick, heartworm product in the U.S. with Trio. Um, you look at Derm, Apoquel, Cytopoint, you know, in Europe, our pain maps, which we're super excited about. But I really think we're investing a lot more, to your point, in doing direct-to-consumer advertising in the U.S. and in markets around the world to build that brand awareness uh, with a pet owner so they know the value they're getting when they invest in Zoetis products. Um, people who don't have pets might not know, but owning a pet is expensive. Uh, can, is there a price point where people can't remember it's cash pay? So when you come up with your prices, you have to be thinking, can people afford to do this? Absolutely. It's a key part of how we look at it. Um, and, you know, it's we're not, you know, human health. There's third party payers. It's a self-pay market. Um, so as we're developing products, we have to be sure that we can really provide an innovative product that meets a medical need and at a price point that makes sense for the pet owner. And, you know, we've been able to launch um, monoclonal antibodies in the pet space in self-pay, which many people thought we could never do, both with Cytopoint, um, certainly in itch, but with Labrella and Silencia, new monoclonal antibodies in Europe. 
for arthritis pain. Um, and really, we're seeing great uptick in these. So we've been able to bring quite disruptive innovation to the space at a price point that makes sense for the pet owner. Now, when we talked last, we started talking about the emerging markets and livestock. Uh, now, livestock's going up in price. I mean, a lot of, the, of what we eat is going up in price. Uh, you've got a, a huge business in China. They need increasing protein demand and consumption. Can they afford to a Zoetis' product there in order to be able to make it so that they have enough to eat? Yeah, I mean, it's a really great question as you look at emerging markets. As you mentioned in your intro, it's a big growth driver for us at Zoetis. But what's really interesting about it is it is more now like the companion animal and the livestock market. Historically, as you mentioned, China you know, was mostly a livestock market with some companion animal. It's about 50-50 for us in China. And, you know, as you look at livestock, with the outbreak of ASF, which I remember right before the pandemic, right. you and I had lunch and we were discussing that, you know, you really saw, you know, obviously a real devastating imp- impact, but you saw the growth of companion animal. And as they rebuild the herd in places like China, they're investing in biosecure, new technologies, and they're really investing with our products where they're sure we have the science, the innovation, and the outcomes they need. So, yes, I think as you look at some of these emerging markets, they are absolutely investing in the high-quality products that we have at Zoetis, not just in livestock, but very interestingly across companion animal as well. Right, one other thing, I've never spoken with you about about fish. Is that a real, can that be a growing market? Because obviously we all think that we've all learned that in our diet you have to have it. Absolutely. It's actually the fastest growing species. It may not be the largest, but it is the fastest growing species. And we are the number one um, company in aquaculture. Certainly the focus there is in salmonoids. So markets um, like Norway, the UK, Chile, Canada. Um, And really we're seeing increasing levels of fish um, that we can actually now bring products to market. It's mostly focused on a vaccine market on prevention. So we see that as a huge growing space and one we're heavily invested in. Well, and, uh, last thing, you've got that ongoing buyback. Uh, your stock is down very, it's down 12% for the years. I very rarely have ever seen your stock this, hard, this high from the top. So you know that it represents great value. Well, look, we did get approval, as uh, you noted, for a $3.5 billion uh, share buyback plan um, you know, at our board meeting, uh, which we announced back in December. We've also um, been growing our dividend. We announced a 30% growth there. But we have an incredibly strong balance sheet, incredibly strong cash flow, and we can be flexible. As we think about capital allocation, our first focus is investing in our business, which you've seen us do. That's certainly in R&D, as you've mentioned, um, building capacity for the future demand that we've done, direct-to-consumer, um, you know, really across the board. We can also certainly have the cash flow to invest in business development, as we announced our um, acquisition of Jurox last year that we're hoping to close this year. So, you know, we are certainly really focused on capital allocation and we'll um, certainly be looking, you know, over the coming months to make sure that we allocate that to continue to grow the company and provide value to our shareholders, which, as you noted, we've beaten the S&P 500 for eight years now. So, No, it's been great. And there's big presentation. Your presentation is excellent, as I would only expect from you, because you are a great steward of your company. I want to thank Kristen Peck, the CEO of Zoetis, who hardly ever get it this cheap. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thanks so much, Tim. It's great to be here. Because if you're looking for the kind of stock that you know I've backed it from the very beginning, every time it's had a dip, it has actually been right to buy. This is one of those dips, and Mad Money's back in. Coming up, tackle the technicals. Kramer takes a crack at the NASDAQ. Off the charts. Next. You seek the key. 
But first, you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. It offers flexible spending capacity that adapts to your business. You can also earn up to $395 in annual statement credits on eligible purchases at select business merchants. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. After a brutal beatdown over the last couple of weeks, tech bounced back nicely today. But we've had a lot of bouncing since we the group beat in November. Which bounce is real? The question is, are we looking at a sustainable comeback that started yesterday afternoon or merely a temporary rebound and then a return to the abyss? When the market's this volatile, you know what I like to do. I like to take my emotions out of the equation because it's easier for your feelings to lead you astray when any of the averages are seesawing the way the Nasdaq's been seesawing. That means we need to pull back on something more empirical, which is where the technicals come in. Remember, I don't agree with all the people who measure the technicals, but I want you to see them yourself. So tonight we're going off the charts with the help of Carolyn Baroden. She's a brilliant technician whose work you can now find at carolynbaroden.academy and also elliotwavetrader.net. In order to get a better read on the NASDAQ 100, that's the 100 largest non-financial stocks in the NASDAQ composite. Now, roughly a month ago, Broden warned us that this tech-heavy index was headed for a make-or-break moment. Take a look at the NASDAQ 100's daily chart, okay? From four weeks ago, she told us that the NDX had a floor of support between 15,400 and 15,500. As long as that floor held, Broden predicted that this index could resume its uptrend. But if the floor broke down, she'd have to get a lot more bearish because the downside could be enormous. Now, going into late December, the NASDAQ 100 caught a nice seasonal Santa Claus rally, which is something that we remember we predicted with, with, uh, with Mr. Williams, Larry Williams, not that long ago, bouncing off the floor. But Broden points out that even when it was rebounding, it never reached her full upside price target. Didn't get up here. Instead, it took a major turn for the worse there, one that her method did predict. Now, remember, Broden likes to measure past swings in a stock or an index and then run them through the prism of Fibonacci numbers. That's a series of ratios discovered by the medieval godfather of mathematics that repeat endlessly in nature, pine cones, shells. For some reason, look, I'll never be able to explain it, but Fibonacci ratios do show up all over the stock market, too. We don't need to know why it works. We only need to know that it's got surprising amount of predictive power, like how she knew that if it didn't get here, it would go there, which was a total home run call. When Baroden measures the duration of a rally or a decline and then applies these Fibonacci ratios, she can identify key dates where security is more likely to change its trajectory. The Nasdaq 100 ran into a cluster of these Fibonacci timing cycles at the very end of December. And sure enough, the index peaked on the 28th before rolling over in the new year. Right there. So what do we do now? The rollover is accomplished. Yesterday, the NDX temporarily broke down below its critical floor of support on an intraday basis. 
right there, okay? Although it finished the day above that level. At this point, Broden says we need to look for the next important set of price parameters, along with any timing clues that could help us predict when the brutal decline will run its course. For the moment, though, even after today's rebound, she thinks the Nasdaq 100 is in bad technical shape. And until that changes, it's vulnerable to another breakdown that could lead to a lot more downside. Let's look at this next chart. This is a Zoom uh, out of a little of the daily chart. Broden's Fibonacci method had seven timing cycles coming due between yesterday and Thursday. Now, get this. In other words, the same method that predicted a possible peak at the end of December, all right, so in other words, she knew it would go down, also predicted uh, a possible low sometime this week, and that's exactly what happened yesterday. The NDX opening down big before finishing the session up very slightly. Then we got some nice follow-through today. So she thinks that there's a real possibility that this tech rebound could have legs. That's really important. But for all we know, that just means it will last as long as the last tech rebound in late December, which petered out after a week and a half. NASDAQ 100 is swiftly making new lows. All right, how about price levels? Check out the NASDAQ 100 daily chart over the last 12 months. Broden notes that the recent breakdown here is already getting close in size. And here we take a look. We're going to be looking here close in size to some of the previous declines. So there we got these declines. You can see that declines have been very severe when they happen. Now, this is a concept known as symmetry. Big moves often repeat themselves, the big ones, okay? In a rational stock market, that would almost never happen. But this market's never been rational. If you look at these red symmetry lines... Uh, based on the scale of the prior declines, Broden thinks the Nasdaq 100 could have a, flo- a new floor of support between 15,000 and 15,162. And there's the floor. It's worth pointing out that we bottomed yesterday at 15,165 before rebounding nearly 450 points to the low. As long as that floor support holds, Broden thinks you can view this move at least as a tradable bounce. That's really important because a lot of people feel like, okay, we just had everything. She's saying, no, it could be tradable. It could be more than this. However, even if the NASDAQ 100 is rebounding off its floor support, Broden says you shouldn't assume that it will simply resume its long-term uptrend and cruise to new all-time highs. This index is currently below its 50-day moving average. That's the green line. See, it fell there. Can you see that? The red and the blue below it. And that is the kiss of death for most charters. And there are a lot of money managers out there who follow these charts, even if they won't always admit it. And they would be selling this bounce today because of that. Meanwhile, Broden's favorite buyer-sell trigger involves watching the five-day exponential moving average and the 13-day exponential moving average. Or, or instead of counting days, you can watch 30-minute periods. When the five-day crosses below the 13-day, that's one of our most reliable sell signals. And right now, it's very much in effect for the NASDAQ 100. Five-day is blue, 13-day is red, obviously well below it. Still, she thinks this relief rally could go further. That's what's important for us right now. And if there's real follow-through, she might reassess and get more bullish. But you might want to use any additional strength as an opportunity to sell some tech. But I would say define that as the unprofitable high price to sales multiple techs that have been put through the meat grinder that are just giving you dead cat bounces. Why? Because if the NDX breaks down below its for support, the downside could be immense, particularly for those stocks. Remember, you've got to be selective if you want to own tech in this environment. This market has no patience for the former high flyers that have no plans to turn a profit in the near future, or even the medium future. These stocks were great inflation. They were terrific, but inflation was under control, and the Federal Reserve was committed to propping up the economy. But now that inflation's raging and the Fed's getting ready to tighten, these money-losing tech stocks are not very much, well, let's say, they're not where you want to be. Instead, I recommend sticking with high-quality tech names with great earnings or are profitable with terrific prospects, like the ones we own for the charitable trust, including some we bought yesterday in the teeth of the sell-off. 
Bottom line, the charts interpreted by Karen Broden suggest the tech-laden Nasdaq 100 really was due for a bounce this week, and that bounce could continue. But don't get too comfortable. Don't get too attached to it, she says, because the overall technical picture remains ugly. Let's go to Chris in New York, please. Chris. Jim, booyah. Booyah, Chris. What's up? Good luck on Sunday. I think the Eagles have a real chance to win since my Jets almost beat Tampa Bay two weeks uh, ago. You know what? I agree with that. I think that, the, that, that you know, that you take that. I think that we have very little to lose. What's going on? Well, I was looking for an Asian stock to add to my portfolio, except I may have entered this one at the wrong time. This Internet company isn't just that. It's a gaming and electronic payments company. Since last October, it looks as if the stock has fallen off a cliff into the sea. I think you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. I have three buys into the stock already, and I want to make sure I'm not catching a falling knife. My question to you is on C-Limited, ticker SE. What are your thoughts? All right, buy, Chris. hold, or run back? No, 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 no. I would be a buyer. Case. I mean, Chris, you're in the teeth of a, another country that just got put on the really bad COVID list from our country. And I think that country is a terrific country, and they will get things under control. But you don't know when. But you don't cut and run from that one. You buy SE. Uh, it's an unfortunate situation. It's like a lot of stuff. It's like win for my charitable trust. I did not foresee Omicron or Delta. And SE, it's the same deal. You can hold it and buy more, uh, but don't give up on it. That would be wrong. Okay, the charts, as suggested uh, by Carolyn Broad of the NASDAQ, could go for a bounce back. She's thinking that. But she does not think it's going to take out the high. So the overall tech picture remains ugly for her. Me, I say if you be selective, you'll be fine. Much more in money ahead, including my exclusive with BioMarin. Could the company behind several treatments for rare diseases be an opportunity for investors in 2022? There's been a lot of good news about it lately. I'm going to check in with the CEO. And from gambling to streaming, we are in the golden age of content. But is it too much content? I'm surveying the home entertainment space. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of the Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. This week, we hear all the most exciting farm and biotech stories at that J.P. Morgan Healthcare conference. That includes some long-term laggards that could be ready to turn because they've got incredibly exciting news. Take Biomarin Pharmaceuticals. That's a biotech company that treats very rare diseases. For the last five years, this stock hasn't done that much. But yesterday at the conference, Biomarin told a terrific story about two products. Their growth drug for children with the most common type, uh, type of dwarfism in humans that got approved last year. And I think something that we heard about a long time ago on the show but could find Finally be here, and that is a hemophilia treatment that could get approved later this year. We got some very strong data on the hemophilia drug. In response, the stock jumped more than 5% today, but I don't know. That doesn't seem commensurate to how important this drug is. Let's check in with JJ Bianami. He's the chairman and CEO of Biomarin. Get a better sense of where his company's headed. Mr. Bianami, welcome back to Mad Money. Yes, thank you. Thank you, uh, uh, Jim. It's great to be back. Uh, sorry that I cannot be there in person uh, because of COVID, but, uh, but it's, it's wonderful to. Uh, uh, to be with you, uh, even on a remote basis. Oh, thank you. It's great to see you, sir. 
I don't think people maybe I don't maybe because it is Zoom and maybe because that conference wasn't uh, you weren't thousands of people listening to you. But, you know, this is an unprecedented set of, of results that you have for hemophilia. This has been one that so many companies have tried and never succeeded. I think you, I'm going to give you the floor to tell people how hard it is. So, I mean, in my lifetime, I've, I've seen company after company fail. You have something. Yes, we do. Uh, so the data that we communicated uh, uh, was uh, basically as good as we could hope. Uh, we've demonstrated, you know, durable, consistent uh, bleeding control in hemophilia A patients. Um, so this is uh, our, our gene therapy product here is transformational treatment for these patients that went from these are patients that were on, on current standard of care, which is two intravenous infusion every week of recombinant factor eight to control their bleeding and their disease. They went from, while being on the center of care, from 4.6 big episodes per, per, uh, per year to less than one. And their, 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 the usage of, of, of factor eight infusions went down 98%. So, uh, so this is, these are pretty dramatic results that, that obviously we are very excited about. And I think this is extremely good news for the hemophilia community. Now, let, let's understand. I'm used to having extraordinary rare, smaller population drugs that you've done so well for people. This actually has a little bit larger population. So I know you're not varying from your strategy, which is fantastic. But there are a lot of people's lives who are going to be made very, very different because of biomarin on this. No, no, that is correct, because, uh, you know, worldwide, there are uh, actually that's excluding India and China. But in, uh, in, in the, the world that we can access, uh, there are. Uh, around 150,000 patients with hemophilia A, 60% of them are, are severe. This is the, the population we are, are going to be addressed, uh, addressing initially. So, so this is going to have a pretty significant impact on the positive impact on the hemophilia community. And what they've been using, as I know from people who've had it, my friends, they use this factor eight. Uh, it, you are uh, 85% it was used by 85% demonstrating much greater superiority to the current standard of care. That is correct. That is correct. Yes. So that, was the, that was the way we designed the study. But and, the, by, and by the way, this is the largest uh, uh, gene therapy study ever done in, in, in history. 134 patients. Right. And I just think that the standard of care will change by next year. If I'm right, everyone will go and buy a Marin's drug. Well, it might take a little longer than that, but we are ready for it. We have, Manufacturing capacity for 10,000 treatment uh, patients, so for, for treating 10,000 patients per year, and we can increase from there if necessary. So, uh, so we've been preparing for this for years, and we are really excited. In the meantime, uh, you also had some uh, some terrific dwarfism drug. I know that that's a broad rubric name. I don't want to uh, confuse people, but the expectations here were good. You did better, and that's going to continue to have you give you that diversified base of revenue growth that's been so terrific for, for shareholders. No, that is correct. So now we are we are currently launching uh, that other product uh, called uh, called Voxogo for achondroplasia, uh, which is also the number one cause of human dwarfism. Uh, the addressable population, because this would be a drug only for uh, uh, for patients under age of eighteen, uh, is about twenty three, twenty four thousand uh, patients in the developed world. Uh, uh, we price that drug uh, at about uh, two hundred fifty thousand dollars per year. Uh, so the, the addressable market here in terms of financials is a $3 billion market plus, and we are the only approved product for this indication, and it, we're going to be like this for many, many years to come. 
Right, well, look, I, I've got to congratulate you. I know years ago you told me, look, we might have something for hemophilia. And I know that it's been intractable, difficult and a horrible disease. It looks like you delivered uh, more than I ever thought you could. I'm going to congratulate you, JJ Bianame, the chairman and CEO of Biomarin, for an amazing new drug that I hope gets approved worldwide. Great to see you, sir. Thanks, Jim. Great to be here. Look, if you ever known anyone who has suffered from this disease, you know that there really hasn't been anything good. And he came here many years ago and told us that this could happen. It's happening in 2022, and the stock's not reacting appropriately. It should be up more. And money's back after the break. Stick around. May I make a suggestion? I would stay with him. The lightning round is coming up next. And then the lighting runs over. Are you ready, Ski Gang? The lighting runs over. with Jim in Texas. Jim. Yeah. Hey, Jim. Thanks for all your help. Oh, thank you. Uh, I bought this stock late last year with Mad Money. The idea was a more diversified pot play. The ticker is GRWG Grow Generation. Okay, we very specifically said when that stock got into the 40s that it was done, that there wasn't much more there. We thought it was terrific, but we wanted to take the gain. We felt the bulls make money, bears make money, and pigs, well, they get slaughtered. And it was time to go, and frankly, we've never looked back. Let's go to Adam in Indiana. Adam. Booyah from the Hoosier State, Jim. Nice to have you. I bought this stock last February when shipping stock uh, container rates started to really climb. Stock's up over 100%, but still has a P.E. under 6 and dividend yield over 20%. Should I add to my position? Ticker SBLK. No, that's a bulk carrier. We don't like any of the bulk carriers. We don't like the oil tankers. They are too inconsistent, and they have too often led to heartache. So we're not involved. Let's go to Suzanne in New York. Suzanne. Hello, Jim. Happy and healthy New Year to you and your family. Oh, thank Stay you, healthy. Suzanne. Same to you. I'm, What's up? I'm calling about RIVN. That's Rivian, of course. We paid 104 right when after their IPO. Just wondering what your thoughts right, are. Well, the problem is the COO just left. Uh, Amazon is committed to being able to buy their, what they have, but also wants to go away. Uh, Ford wants to sell its stock, but it won't be able to do it for a couple of months. I don't think the Rivian setup is all that great. I'm sorry, but thank you for the kind words. Mike in Texas. Mike. Jim, greetings from Houston. I've uh, found a small cosmetic healthcare company. Last quarterly report, 50% year-over-year revenue growth. 50% of the revenue is gap net income. Share price down about half from the November highs, and P.E. ratio is now in the low 30s. What are your thoughts on in mode? I don't know why that stock fell so much. I think that's a great opportunity. I think it was just one of those uh, babe with bathwater names. I think that that's what I expect our viewers to do is come up exactly with names like in mode. I think that's a good call. Let's go to Joanne in Florida. Joanne. Yes. Hi, Jim. Thank you so much for taking my call. Oh, you're quite and, welcome. And- and for that, so for the wonderful advice you provide, oh, that thank financial, you. the financial education you give to so many with your show and the investing club. Anyway, um, my stock is Rio Tinto. I was looking for a good dividend payer with a low PE and decent earnings, and um, 
Also, I had read that they had just bought a lithium mine, I think, in Argentina. Look, I've always favored owning Rio. I think it's just a great long-term position. But remember, I also like gold. And uh, I think that this is a good mineral company over the multiple-year time. Don't want to look at it over the short term, and I think you got a good one. Let's go to Carrie in Colorado. Please, Carrie. Hi, booyah. Hey, hey, Jim. Hey, Carrie, what's up? Oh, man, I'm so stoked to talk to you. Nothing. I'm an Invest Club member. I'm so grateful for you and everything you've taught me. And I'm interested in investing possibly in NovoCure, ticker NVCR. You know, I do not understand. NovoCure is one of these companies. It has got, uh, you know, I happen to think that uh, people have just turned on companies that in general are in healthcare that nobody seems to want anymore. They have a revolutionary device that can be used for multiple different areas against cancer, and I think it should be bought right here. It's down a great deal, and I would I would do some buying. How about Idris in Maryland? Idris? Kramer, my man. How are you? I am doing well. How about you? I'm doing all right. I hope to get your nod on the ticker symbol L-I-C-Y, the lith- excuse me, lithium-ion battery cycle company. Oh, man. Those are... You know, I would love to just say yes. I really would because it's down a lot. But this lithium battery uh, area is so controversial with so many players that I have to say, wait a second. It is too speculative for me. Period. End of story. Hassan in Georgia. Hassan. Mr. Kramer, how you doing? Thank you for taking my call. I'm doing well. How about you? I'm all right. Um, My question is, what are your thoughts on AtCore Incorporated? Just plain perfect metal bending company that I like. Other people may not like it. Why? Because it's just too boring. I think sometimes boring is good. I like your choice. Let's go to Jim in Nevada, please. Jim. Hey, Jim. Great to hear you, man. I love your show. Thank you. Hey, I got a question for you. Uh, Virgin Galactic. Uh, I rode the wave last year from 20 up to, I guess I sold about 56. And uh, kind of watched it bounce all the way back down, and uh, I don't know where it's hovering now. Well, you know, I never liked it. I saw it go up on a short squeeze. Uh, It's come back down a great deal. Maybe you can get a bounce, but frankly, the stock is just not for me. Way too speculative. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Coming on. To which streaming platforms are you giving the time of day? Kramer makes sense of the battle for your eyes and ears. Next. Jim Kramer, you're one of my heroes. I look forward to your show every weeknight. Thank you so much for helping beginning investors like me. When you talk about the market, I just believe that you're spot on. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Every night we watch you, I have learned and earned. Out of touch, my baby, my poor discarded baby. I said, baby, 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 you're out of time. I know the Rolling Stones weren't singing about the state of the at-home entertainment business in 2022 when they wrote that song a long time ago. But it sure seems relevant today because I think at last we might be out of time to watch more programming. A few years ago when I asked Reed Hastings, the CEO of Netflix, about his biggest competition, he didn't talk about other streaming services or TV stations. He said, time will be the real competition. 
In other words, there won't be enough hours in a day to watch all programming you might like across all of these programs. And we were nowhere near that level. Fast forward to today. From the looks of everyone in the industry, cable companies, video game players, streaming services, the coming metaverse, the TV networks, we may have maxed out. We may have really reached the level where we're simply out of time. It's all kind of shocking, even if we knew it was coming. Yesterday, Take-Two Interactive announced its acquisition of Zynga, a deal investors didn't seem to like because Take-Two is a marquee video game company, while Zynga makes cheap little mobile games that really don't stack up to the beauty of Grand Theft Auto or Red Dead Redemption. However, mobile games are insanely popular with the -the on-the-go consumers outside the house and even people who are multitasking, just like how Activision's Candy Crush gets played pretty much everywhere you go. Mobile gaming expands the clock of video game usage beyond what Take-Two can deliver while you're at home. Then there's sports gambling. When you see the promotions these online betting sites are offering, you know millions of people must be watching these games on TV and watching them to the end to find out the final score. That translates again into fewer hours for other types of entertainment. I think the whole industry needs to come to grips with this. Earlier today, when I was perusing the must-read news items by John Ellis, I was struck by a little factoid. Gallup just took a poll that showed Americans read an average of 12.6 books a year. That's the smallest number they've measured since 1990. Now, how much more can that go down to free up more time to watch entertainment companies and their programming? Can they really get more of your time? I'm not sure. We know that when the Omicron strain finishes burning through to the country, we'll finally feel immunized, not protected from hospitalization, but actually immunized. And an immunized person is less likely to spend time at home, less fearful. In fact, that person is liable to travel, experiential, which again means fewer hours for at-home entertainment. Meanwhile, at home is the competition getting serious about grabbing their own slice of the clock. Case in point, Mary Kingsdale. All right, we just downloaded this excellent program. It's Paramount Plus, by the way, for the series. My wife says to me, looks like we now have to watch something on Paramount Plus to get our money's worth. Hmm, why not? Now, we are cord cutters, but our streaming bill's starting to get mighty big, and we don't want to get nothing for something. I think we're finally at that inflection point that Reed Hastings talked about, that inflection point where there just isn't enough time to consume even a fraction of the media you might want. And it's not like we can create more time. Now, I'm sure we're in a situation where there still can be excellent subscriber growth for Netflix internationally, and I do like the company. But I don't want to bet on their domestic business anymore, not with this plethora of programming. Sure, some may be out of touch, but just as definitely, we're all out of time. I like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise you to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.